welcome to the Lifestyled Podcast. My name is Erin and I'm your host. You might know me from my YouTube channel or my blog by Erin Elizabeth. In this podcast, we're going to be having genuine and candid conversations with real people discussing a whole bunch of lifestyle topics, including everything from style and beauty to wellness and career to hopefully inspire you and empower you to live life your way. So with that said, let's jump on into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to my channel. I was going to say welcome back to my channel, like a YouTube intro. Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) I'm literally programmed like that. That's so funny. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Um, Today, I'm sitting down with Samantha Jane, who is a beauty YouTuber and content creator. And her and I actually met a few years back in, uh, we were on a press trip together to the P&G headquarters in Cincinnati, which was really fun. So that was the first time I met Sam and I have been an avid viewer and consumer of her content ever since. I just love how real she is, how down to earth she is, and she just tells it how it is. And I've actually made purchases on beauty products due to her recommendations. And she's really one of those people who um, provides that trust online. Like if you watch her, you know, you can trust her opinions on things. And I think that's that's kind of rare in, to, in today's uh, world with the whole content creation and how things have evolved. So yeah, she's definitely a genuine one. Um, so we're sitting down and we're having a nice little chat about all things beauty and YouTube and career and and all of that good stuff. So I guess without further ado, let's jump on into the episode. Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on the podcast. I'm really, really happy to have you on here. I'd love if we could just start off um, with a quick introduction for anyone who may not know who you are. Um, Just give us a little background. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Samantha. Uh, Some people may know me as Samantha Jane, which is kind of my my YouTube name. And I started off on YouTube back in the dark ages of 2012, and it was very much... uh, kind of, uh, I don't know that I would call it a passion project, but it was something that I did purely out of curiosity and wanting to connect with people. Uh, I'm actually from Newfoundland, so that's where where my channel has its origins. And then moving to Toronto, I realized that it was possible to do it full-time, and that was something that I pursued, uh, and then quit my full-time job in 2017 to do, to do YouTube full-time. And I focus primarily on beauty, but more recently, a little more lifestyle, food, lots of cats, et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> All the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, could you actually share like your career journey too? I love hearing like where people started and then where they end up because a lot of times, especially in the YouTube space or the content creation space, it's like we went to school for something totally different and we had jobs that were in such various areas. So yeah, I'd love to hear your your journey. Yeah, so mine is all over the place. I started like I've had a bajillion jobs. I started my first job ever, I'll start there, was at Winners in Newfoundland. It was one yes. of the first winners I think opened and I was 15, so I had to get like a a letter signed to even work there. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I started there and then I I did my uh degree years later in in marketing uh with uh, a Focus, or sorry, business commerce with a focus in marketing and psychology. And then um, after graduation, I ended up in car sales because mm-hmm. I couldn't really find a job in marketing that was of interest. There wasn't a ton um, in the city. So I had a friend who owned a car dealership and she was like, 
why don't you come work here? And I was like, okay, I don't like cars, but <laughs> let's try why it. Not? Yeah. <laughs> and it was so incredibly tough. Um, I'm glad that I did it. It helped me grow as a person. I wouldn't say I have a thick skin at all. And you definitely need that in that industry. And, you know, I'm a YouTuber now, clearly I want to be liked and people don't, people don't like you so, so much. Uh, but it was, there was some very, very rewarding times as well. So it was, it was very interesting. And then after that, I left and became a radio show host. So it was the, you know, one of those kind of top 40 radio stations. And I was a, a radio show host for a, for a little while. And that was an incredible job because I, I love to talk and it just, it felt very natural, even though it was very bizarre to be on the radio because it was something I never ever saw coming but a lot of people interestingly enough said oh that makes total sense and I'm like oh really like okay uh and then after I left Newfoundland I moved to Toronto and I was working in in marketing until turning to YouTube so not necessarily uh completely related but I guess a lot of talking and communicating either way which lends itself to to YouTube and YouTube yeah. actually I think was a big part of why I got the job in radio because I had absolutely no experience but I sent them my channel and they were like you are good at talking <laughs> so oh, I was gonna actually ask you how you got the job on radio like how do you go from car sales to radio but if you have like that YouTube to back it up then they can kind of get that sense of your personality and how you speak and all of that yeah exactly and actually, they had two jobs so I, I had actually applied for a copywriting position and then on the website it was like evening show host and I was like oh ha 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 let me apply for that and that was what I ended up interviewing for and they never called me for copywriting <laughs> no way yeah <laughs> it's cool that you've had a lot of like marketing background too because that is very handy to have in this industry and just knowing how to market yourself and put yourself out there and I think a lot of people get into this industry just on the creative side of things and they have no clue about the business or the marketing and then that's where the people struggle I mean that's where I struggled big time at the start so do you think that your background in marketing has helped you within your YouTube career as well I think so and I think it would be it would almost I, I feel like it almost helps me more like you said on the business side as opposed to what I'm like when I'm talking in videos or on Instagram stories I don't think it's necessarily coming into play there because it really is just kind of me talking, but it's more on the side of pitching myself to brands, my ideas that I pitch to them, how I'm able to turn their talking points into something that fits my brand. So it, it definitely comes in handy because there's so many things that I've learned as well from the brand side or the retailer side, things that as consumers, we're like, I don't know, why don't you do this? And they're like, well, we don't have the shelf space or we don't, you know, there's so many things and consumer behavior has always been incredibly interesting to me. So I love, I love getting those little pieces of background information that you never know as a consumer. Cause there's things I was always curious about why brands make certain choices. I mean, they still do things that I'm like, I don't understand that, but <laughs> it's nice to get that behind the scenes piece. Totally. And that's, that's a big thing I've learned in this industry too, just the whole brand side of things. It's a completely different world and coming in like with zero experience in any of this, like I did graphic design in school and then coming into this world, there was just so much for me to learn and like PR companies and brands and all of this and pitching yourself and stuff like that. So it's nice that you had that 
background to kind of flow off of. Um, I feel like it, it kind of gives you like a level up on other people who, who don't have to learn that stuff. Yeah. But you have the graphic design piece. Like I yeah, see thumbnails and, you're in, and it's like that thing from that point for me is always really, I'm like, I can talk your face off but <laughs> when it comes to composing photos and things like that. I feel like, I mean, it looks like it, everything looks like it comes easy to everybody in this industry too, though, which I think is interesting. And even being in it and knowing that people struggle when you see that finished product, it doesn't come to mind knowing that I go through it, you go through it. You just see the finished product and you're like, wow, they just walked into that situation. Right. But I, I mean, I definitely, when we met, I have no idea how many years ago it was now, Yeah, uh, but I definitely saw that that graphic design piece is important to have too, to be eye catching. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's, it's so interesting because I feel like almost everybody struggles with the whole that comes so easy to other people. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because I literally think that all the time about other people's pictures. I'm like, oh, they just like woke up looking amazing and captured this perfect shot. But people don't yeah. realize the effort that goes into getting these shots. But I kind of like how social media is changing today people want that realness. They want something raw. It's funny. I saw a picture the other day. It was um, a really, really big blogger who was talking about body imperfections and cellulite and stuff, but then posted a completely like flawless photoshopped mm -hmm. picture. And everybody in the comments is like, uh, <laughs> sis, like, what are you talking about? Like you look perfect. Um, and it kind of just makes the rest of us feel like even shittier type of thing. So I, I found that really interesting. And it's kind of like the evolution of social media went up, 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 like everybody needs mm -hmm. to be this perfect aspirational person. And now it's kind of on its way back down again. Yeah. What do you think about all of that? No, I, I completely agree because when I started in YouTube and when anybody, you know, sort of quote unquote back in the day, you could do a webcam. You didn't need to have lighting. You didn't need to even be good at anything. You just kind of had to be there and people just liked connecting with other people and and that was the whole point of all this social media was for us to portray ourselves as ourselves and see other people or see people we found interesting or we could relate to and it really uh it really changed into you have to be this type of person to succeed and that was something that always really kind of weighed on me because I'm like I can't do that that seems tiring and that's where you get a lot of burnout you see a lot of YouTubers who were big 10 years ago and I mean you're going to have burnout from any job but because they branded themselves a certain way didn't allow themselves to grow then when they were like this is actually who I am now people didn't like that mm -hmm. right so it's like you need to show yourself growing so that your audience can grow with you otherwise you're gonna kind of polarize people I think which is which is horrible for, for yeah both. yeah and I find that hard to navigate as well too because I mean you start YouTube at a certain age like you started yeah. in 2012 it's like obviously you're not the same person you were in yeah. 2012 um, and so just figuring that out and navigating and you know you you don't want to alienate any of your audience too but at the end of the day you still have to remain true to yourself and that's something I've found tricky over the years too like I started off strictly just doing hairstyles mm. and then I was like okay like how many hairstyles can I do like that. Yeah. I like doing hair, but I mean, I'm, it's not like my biggest passion in life. Um, so it's like trying to test the waters and see what sticks and what doesn't stick. And that's definitely something I've struggled with a lot over the years. And, um, at the end of the day, I always just go back to making what makes me happy and doing that variety of content. And I love how you have been branching out a little bit too, and sharing different aspects of your life. And I kind of wanted to ask you about your fitness journey too, because, oh my God, you are crushing it <laughs> so much in that. Um, 
yeah, I'd love if you could talk about that a little bit. And I love that you're sharing that because it's so, it's so relatable. I mean, we all have struggles and like, I've had so many ups and downs with my fitness journey. Like sometimes I'm so motivated. Other times I'm like, just, you know, on the couch eating cookies, (laughs) but you seem to be like consistently killing it. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. That's really nice to hear because it doesn't feel like it from my end. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to show all of it because I feel like a lot of people show after the fact and after they've overcome certain things. And some people may find that inspirational, but I certainly do not. (laughs) I want to see the process. I want to see somebody starting over and over and hearing, you know, it's a new day. I think when it comes to this kind of thing, something different works for everybody. And I appreciate that. But I think the one problem is that people focus so much on extremes. They don't let people make mistakes. If you say, I want to lose weight or I want to walk today, then someone will message you and say, well, you shouldn't walk. You should try these workouts. Or, you know, I thought you were trying to lose weight. Why are you eating this? Or, or then you have the other hand of, you know, girls who, you know, are just so freaking fit and they only post pictures of pizza. And you're like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Well, it's physically impossible that you are really eating that much pizza all the time, you know? And then occasionally they'll be like, here's my favorite lunch. And it's quinoa with, green peppers on it. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So it's like, people just need to be realistic a little bit more or just be a little bit like, and it, and it's, I understand because there's so many kind of landmines when it comes to this sort of thing. You don't want to trigger anybody. You don't want to encourage anybody to do, to do things that are, are too extreme or, or whatnot. So like you said, it's been really hard to, to be honest about it because I have had a lot of setbacks and, and whatnot, but everybody does. And I think that's why it's so important to show it. And, and it's just, I, 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 I look to YouTube for what I eat in a days and things. And I just never find anybody that I relate to. And I'm like, how is it possible in a world of millions and millions of minutes of content that there's almost nobody, I can think of three people who's what I eat in a days I watch and actually get ideas from <laughs> that aren't just eating the same thing every day. And that goes back to that piece of everybody acting the same and everybody having to be a certain way. And it's just not realistic. Um, And I think people put way too many expectations on YouTubers, like we do it to ourselves, and then the audience does it right back to us. And it can get a little bit tricky. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I've been doing my best. And I hope that it, it, it helps people. And I've gotten, you know, messages of people who are like, thank you for almost giving me permission, you know, giving yeah. me permission to, to mess up, to have a Big Mac, to do whatever it is, and get on with my day and not harping on, harping on things and saying, well, it's, you know, screw it, it's all done. It's like, just move on, right? Yeah, I almost think like the fitness space is probably one of the more, I don't want to say toxic, but you know what I mean? It's like one of those spaces where you just see so much perfection and you think, okay, if I'm not doing this all the time, then I'm a failure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Going back to one of the comments you made about everybody being the same. I remember, I think you tweeted or something a long time ago, like a long time ago about how you could basically take someone else's profile picture and pop it on <laughs> another profile. And it's like, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Like everybody just has these feeds with the exact same filters, the exact same everything and I, I've been really trying to post a lot more like real shots <laughs> lately yeah. and stay away from that because who wants to look like everybody else like I, I just don't understand that trend but it's it's people seeing what works for someone exactly. and then trying to emulate that response so honestly why wouldn't you you know mm-hmm. um 
and, and I and I get it, right? It makes sense. And I do things that other people do. There's only so many ways to take pictures with a moisturizer or whatever it might be. Yeah. But it's it's also it's not just that. It's it's how you portray yourself in every single facet that needs to at the end, like in in some have variety, right? Not every post needs to be the most unique, different thing ever, but it's like overall, what are you offering? that is different? Is your caption a little bit different? Is your, you know, what is it that makes you different? Because otherwise it's like, what's the point? I might as well just follow one person and that's all I need. All I need exactly. Exactly. All right. I kind of want to get into like the beauty world a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, the primary content you create is obviously like makeup and skincare and all of mm-hmm. the, all things beauty. Um, and yeah, in the past couple of years, I'm sure since you've been on YouTube, like we've seen a major shift in the beauty community. We've seen drama, we've seen scandals, <laughs> wait, drama, what, where, <laughs> Um, all of the tea channels that come out. But one thing I really, really admire about you is how genuine you are, how down to earth you've always been and how real your content is. You're one of the people who I love to watch for, for reviews and for swatching and things like that, because you just, you show it as it is. You give us all the information that we need. And I just want to know, how do you stay true to yourself in a world of the beauty community? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, in one sense, very easy to do because I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into being somebody else and, and going to these extremes and like all the that things that anybody does. But at the same time, it's incredibly hard because you see their success. And while numbers and all that isn't everything, it's obviously something and it's important. So it's like, you want to find that balance because you want people to see what you're doing and understand and and it's frustrating because you see audiences saying everybody's fake no one's realistic etc etc but it's like well why do these people have millions of subscribers and millions of views it's just it's just not true like people want the aspirational people want the ridiculous and and the whatnot and I think they say they want the realistic more than they actually want it because if they wanted it they can have it. It's there. It's there. Yeah. That's what I never get when people complain about that. I'm like, you realize there's so many real people online. Like you're choosing to watch the people with the drama and, and all of that. Like, it's kind of like when you're buying things, it's like, put your money where your mouth is, you know, like the options are there if you want it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and then if people see, okay, people like the drama, then I'm going to be dramatic. It's like, you know, if you're on a reality television show, the person who's the most dramatic, it's the most airtime. And then there's other characters. You're like, I've never seen this person before. So, you know, it's how it goes. But honestly, I would rather have a smaller audience of, of people that I truly, there's some people who I've been speaking to since the beginning or for years and I have such a connection to them and I believe they have a connection to me too. And and I would much rather have a smaller community of of people because it's better for me. I don't want the drama. I, I am sensitive and I don't, I don't want that. And I think brands would appreciate that too. And brands do appreciate it because if you have somebody who doesn't review products properly or somebody who I watch them, but I don't trust them, you're not going to see that return on investment the same as perhaps somebody like me who is only partnering with brands that make sense or only partnering with brands or projects that I feel like will be valuable. Or even if they're not totally sure and they're like, oh, Samantha's never spoken about this before. They're like, well, I trust her, you know, and I, and I want that trust. I want that. And there's times where I have to push back to brands and I have to do things that make me uncomfortable, but ultimately it's better for both of us. Cause if I hop on and I start talking about 
false eyelashes when I never wear false eyelashes people are going to be like well she's a liar and not only is it going to hurt that campaign it's going to hurt everything so it's it's really hard but at the same time <laughs> incredibly easy and I've gotten more confident with it over time too yeah I agree and I think the key to having influence is having that trust within your audience and like you say you know knowing your audience by name and knowing the ones who have been there from the beginning I mean how many people once when their channels are growing to be the, like the size of your channel, like how many people can even, even say that, you know what I mean? And you see some of these, these people who get to a certain level and it's like, they don't even respond to comments anymore, or yeah. they don't even interact with their audience or on the fashion side of thing. Like some of these big fashion bloggers, people ask them, where's your top from? And they don't yeah. even respond. It's like, but isn't this your job? Like, <laughs> No, exactly. I mean, it was my, I adopted a cat last year and yesterday was her gotcha day. And Dude, I love that. Yeah. Which is by the way, if anyone doesn't know, it's like the day you got your cat. So it's not their birthday. It's the gotcha. So I love that. actually had a subscriber message me and she said before I had posted about it and she said, Hey, like, I know it's Emily's gotcha day. Cause it's the same day oh. as my wedding anniversary. Oh, so I reposted that story and then someone else messaged me and they were like that awkward moment when you realize it's your parents' wedding anniversary because a YouTuber posted their conversation. So it's like this woman and her daughter both follow me. I reposted her mom's conversation and then she's like, oh shit, it's my parents' wedding anniversary. And I'm like, what is going on? I didn't realize, like I, I knew they had the same last name, but never made the connection. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like That's, that's so cute. Very special. Yeah. 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 Where do you see like the beauty industry going in the future? Because it started off as a very real deal and we've come to a point now where it's, it's, you know, the drama and the tea. Yeah. I'd love to hear your input on where you think it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, I think it's circling back a little bit, especially with COVID. I feel like it was really nice to get that break from the constant launches, the constant, and like this may come out like very spoiled, you know, but all the PR packages and stuff, like while it's great, it it got a little bit monotonous and it's like, there's a mailer, then everybody posts the mailer that day. And I was kind of getting out of posting new PR anyways, because I'm like, what, what is the point here? You know, like, unless it's something of interest or something really exciting, like when Fenty skin launched or something like that, you want to grab that opportunity. But honestly, I, I, I think it's coming back around a little bit. It's hard to say, but based on the campaigns I'm doing and the things, the way things I've been going and talking to brands, I feel like, people are really trying to bring it back a little bit and, and be more realistic, be more honest. And I think that's, that's pretty exciting and be more inclusive too, which is incredibly important. And yeah, I don't know. I, I have high hopes. I don't want to be, be naive, but I feel like we all got a little bit tired of, of the drama and, and want to just see a, a better balance at the very least. I agree with that. And another thing that you've been like very open and honest about throughout your journey is like your struggles with, with battling acne and, you know, creating content, obviously, and I'm going to put this in quotations with those <laughs> imperfections, but I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, we all have imperfections yeah. and I've struggled with acne as well. And I'd love if you could speak on like creating content in the beauty space with those quote unquote imperfections. Yeah, it's hard because you see it in, you've seen it in magazine advertising or television advertising forever. It's like some 30 year old ho holding up anti-aging cream, right? Yeah. <laughs> somebody with completely clear skin, 
holding up an acne product. But it's like, if you have somebody with acne and they're reviewing a foundation, you know, you know, you're going to get that comment. Well, if you didn't wear makeup or, you know, why are you putting highlighter on your pimples and things like that? And it's like, it's just, it's just so stupid. Like, yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. And people again, have these, you, you can't win. And I think you need to realize that if you're in this space, it's, you, you, you have to be able to put yourself out there and do those things. And, and I disagree fully with the like, oh, you put yourself out there idea of therefore you're going to get mean comments. It's like, mm-hmm. why are you giving people a pass? You would never say that to anybody's face. Almost never. 99% of the time you would never say it to somebody's face. And I get it. Like I'm not, I'm fine with, you know, criticism, constructive criticism, but it's just like the f- super foolish things that people have gotten mad at me before. And I'm just like, um, <laughs> what's going on in your life? Yeah, for real though. I see a lot that annoys me and I say nothing or I'll send a screenshot to a friend, like a normal person <laughs> uh, <laughs> to myself. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's tough because it, at times it feels like it might impact my job. And it's really hard to feel like, I have a breakout and I have a skincare campaign coming up and is the brand going to be dissatisfied that I've got this huge freaking pimple on my face or do they see it as an asset or, you know, it's like, these are all things that go through your mind that you really have no idea. But then there's times where I've literally made money off of my acne. So, you know, it come in handy at times. I mean, I'd rather not have it, but at the very least I wanted, like, there's a big reason of why I started my channel was, I had oily skin and acne and I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and I was buying all of these foundations and I'm like, why are these melting off of my face? Like I didn't even realize I had oily skin. And then I tried this CoverGirl foundation and I was like, oh, it actually stays on my face. Like I never considered finish or skin type. It wasn't really a conversation back then. So it is really important. And I do want to help represent and relate to people who, who go through that same same struggle and I think it's really again the important piece and the beauty of social media is there's somebody out there for everybody not everyone's going to be for you uh and you know I'll be that acne oily skin girl for hopefully not much longer but (laughs) (laughs) no I love it and it's like we need people from with all types of skin and uh, all skin issues out there as well because people want to have that relate like relating content and it's funny because I was listening to a podcast not that long ago with the founder of it cosmetics Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how she got her big big break doing like a QVC selling channel or is that what those are called yeah and how people were advising her like you need to have models who have like nice skin because you want your product to show and she's like no the whole point of my product is to to help these people with different skin problems and so she ended up doing it her way in the end and having people with different skin issues up on stage and the product sold out like so so quickly and she was like I'm so glad I stuck to my guns yeah it, and yeah. it's the brands that take those risks that do really well because I know mm-hmm. she does a lot with like redness I remember that redness product being huge back in the day and you see brands being like oh nobody will buy the dark shades and then I was at Sephora the day Fenty launched what shades sold out first the shades that were 400 and above and I've mm-hmm. never like that so it's It's because no other brands cater to that so it's like (laughs) people are excited yeah so foolish because you say nobody buys it and nobody makes it therefore that's a hole in the market like that's that's like easy business right you do it before somebody else does it and then every other brand that was like oh remember us that came after the fact it was like well why weren't you marketing to us why were the undertones bad Uh, and it looks like you're you're following like be that be that leader yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Rihanna just like killed it with that. And she kind of set the stage from the beginning, like this is for everybody. And and it really showed with the sales at the beginning. And yeah, it's funny to see all the other brands like scrambling after being like, okay, like this is what we need to do. Um, But it's like, it just takes that one person to step forward and do it for, for everyone else to realize. But yeah, it's so true. It's like, there's that hole in the market and it's like, it's not selling, but you're not making it. So how does that, how does that correspond? Or you're not putting enough research into the shades or you're not putting it on the shelves at the stores or you're putting it right at the bottom where it's only available online. You know, it's, it's, there's so many pieces into it. It's like, did you actually try? Probably not. Cause like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you ever feel like imposter syndrome when you're oh. in the beauty community? I feel like that's a tough one. Like the beauty in the fashion world is, is such a tough one. And it's um, funny because I don't know that I've ever met anybody who hasn't said that they feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we're all in the room. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> And, and I feel that like I, I'm from Newfoundland, like I said, so I definitely feel that in the sense of like, what am I like, the world here is so different. A lot of people are also younger than me. And I'm like, I can't, it's just, it's unbelievable to me. There's so many times when I'm doing something, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. Like, normally it's great. But I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? I doubt myself again, back to that, like me being, you know, more, I guess, relatable or realistic than other people. And I'm like doubting myself in that sense. I'm doubting myself as someone with deeper skin, as someone with acne, as somebody from the East Coast, as, you know, all of that kind of stuff, it all comes into play. And it's just, there's so many surreal moments, but we literally all feel that way. And yeah. it's very common with women in general. I, I, believe. I think so too. I think women more so than men, for sure. Yeah. Do you feel like moving to Toronto was a good decision for your career? I mean, obviously everything you do is digital. Um, and now with COVID, like there's no events or anything happening like that, but pre COVID lifetime, you know, do you think moving was beneficial to your career? And do you think that, you know, someone else who may be living in a small town where there's not much going on, um, do you think like they have to move to a bigger city to become successful? If you will, I'm putting that in quotes. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily for me, it was a huge piece because firstly, I connected with a lot of other bloggers. So that was where I got a lot of contacts, got a lot of like invites to events initially. And through that, then I was able to network with people in person. And that I believe is a big part of why my channel gets the support it does from brands um, is through, through networking and connecting with the people who are actually these brands. Cause you forget that brands are people. <laughs> it's just a collection yeah. of people and like a policy book. Right. So that for me was a huge piece because you'll see people who have tons of subscribers, even living in Toronto, who don't go to events, who don't get sponsorships, who don't get PR because they're not doing the outreach because there's so much competition. There's so many people to choose from and you need to put yourself out there. So it's hard to get in the door through an email, I feel like. So I, I mean, I'm not going to say to somebody, pack up and move and, you know, it's dangerous uh, financially. And yeah. <laughs> it's it's a big risk and and I didn't move here for that I moved here for just something different I actually wanted to move to Vancouver um oh no way total yeah. 
total opposite end of the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, in coming here, then I realized, oh, you don't, you know, because you see the US, right? And you have to have a million subscribers and, and whatnot. I was meeting girls with 20, 30,000 followers on Instagram and we're full time. I'm like, whoa, I had no idea. The Canadian space is so different and there's so much opportunity here, which is great. Um, but you really need to seize it. So being in Toronto for me has been key. And I really do. I love it here either way. So are you in it for the long haul? You think you'll stay there? I mean, <laughs> Like a bajillion dollars, so that's yeah, I know it's insane. <laughs> yeah, I want to see real estate in Newfoundland. I'm like, oh, that's the price of a down payment of a house in Toronto. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if I'm living in Canada, I can see myself in in Toronto for the time being. Um, but who who knows? But right now, yeah, I really I really do love it here. Yeah, it's got a good energy. The yeah. city. Um, so I was scrolling through your Insta, <laughs> and I saw one of your photos from like back in February where you landed a gig with. ET Canada, which is yeah. amazing. And for those who don't know, or who are from America, it's like entertainment tonight, which is like an entertainment show in Canada in the evening. And you were styling curly hair for that um, segment and your caption, you mentioned how you actually used to hate your curly hair. And I, I honestly found that so relatable and I resonated with it, obviously on a completely different scale. Yeah. Um, but because I always was very insecure about my hair I have much thinner hair and I always found it trickier to style. I went through a huge stage of hair loss in the past couple of years and I felt like nobody online looked like me and everybody had this beautiful, long, luscious hair. And one of my videos that I actually made was styling finer and thinner hair. And that video blew yeah. up and that is still my most viewed video to this date. And that kind of made me take a step back. And I was like, oh my God, maybe people are craving this content. Like people want to see people with hair like them and not all of this beautiful, thick, long, gorgeous hair. And so that was kind of a shifting point for me. And that when I sort of took out my extensions, I started rocking my natural hair a lot more and just really embracing it. So I'd love if you could speak on your journey with your hair and how you grew to love your hair, because as you said, it was, it was not your favorite thing growing up. Um, so how did you get to a point where, where you're, you're just loving yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to point out the irony of us and judging brands for like not taking those chances and then us being like, <laughs> and I did it too. Yeah. It's right? just natural, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still a journey. Uh, growing up in Newfoundland, there was no one who looked like me. I didn't know what to do with my hair. It's a whole thing. Um, and I would straighten it all the time. And I started wearing it more curly, but it still was not great. I was using chemical relaxers. I didn't know what to do with it. And even in moving to Toronto, it was so disappointing to reach out to curly hair salons that literally turned me away because I had chemical relaxer Ooh, in my hair. Wow. Throw it out and come back kind of thing. And it was mm -hmm. just like, it's still an issue. Like I live in downtown Toronto and I don't have a place I can go for a good blowout or whatever it might be. So that's that, insane to me too, because Toronto is literally the most diverse city in the world. I Googled <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> it's true. We know we have problems. So yes. That's, that's something else I'm planning on. I don't know, taking on in some way, shape or form. But, um, as I, I, I would honestly account a lot of it to, uh, my stylist that I, that I met when I moved to Toronto and she really helped me learn my hair and I never knew even really what it looked like without chemical relaxer. And when I saw what it looked like, I was like, man, this is actually pretty freaking cute. And people always told me they loved it, but you know, you don't really listen to other people. And 
it's fun and it's, you know, even since quarantine, I've actually been doing a lot. I mean, I have a blowout right now, but um, I was doing a lot of just fully natural. So out of the shower, zero product in my hair. And I did it as a test because I was just like, I don't think anyone was doing much physical upkeep in the beginning of this. And yeah. <laughs> oh, I actually love it. I, I was shying away from the, the frizz and you just want everything, every curl in place and everything to be perfect. And, you know, same with you. It's like, you don't want there to be any places where your hair looks thin. It has to be full. It has to be voluminous, all that kind of stuff. And for curls, it's like issues like frizz and lack of definition, different curl patterns. So it really was a time thing and also kind of forcing myself into it. So I would equate it similar to if you've never worn red lipstick, you put one on for the first time, you're like, I look like a clown. But then you keep wearing it and you're like, hmm, there's something to this. And then eventually you learn to love it. So uh, that is why I've, you know, kind of taken people along on that journey when my hair was absolute trash along the way. And again, similar to the fitness thing, I wanted to show the process. I wanted to do a curly hair routine when my hair wasn't great. If you have the best curliest hair in the world and it's perfect, then I don't want to see your curly hair routine. I want to know what I can do to improve my hair, but not necessarily have it perfect. And that's, that's the back to that same piece of showing the process, being honest. I'm not an expert. Nobody trained me. These are just the things that work for me and you can try it and hopefully something will work for you too. And if people see me with my curly hair, then maybe that will do do something for them to encourage them to do the same. Because we know when you see television or movies, seeing people who look like you is impactful and important. Completely agree. And it's so interesting because, you know, when I was a kid, all I ever wanted was curly hair. (laughs) I wanted to get a perm. Like I just wanted those curls. Like you always want what you don't have. Right. So we need to just like appreciate what we do have and, and own it. And yeah, it's, it's so funny too, that you mentioned at the beginning, like how we're kind of like hypocrites because it's, interesting how when you put yourself out there, you feel like you need to fit into that specific mold. Like you need to look a certain way or be a certain way. And I think like 2020 and beyond is really coming into yourself and just owning who you are as a person. And I really see that coming through with the younger generations too, how they're really just embracing individuality a lot more and, and be yourself and, and do you at the end of the day, like forget what society says. Oh, so yeah, they're ruthless. I, I love, love it though. Yeah. Scary, but I'm into it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a little scary, but it's like, I always think like millennials walked so Gen Z could run. Oh, yeah. sprinting. I'm like, I am, you're so woke. I am so old. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I feel too. It's like all this slang nowadays too. I'm like, yeah. what does this mean? <laughs> Google things. And I'm like, I hate myself. Or there's, or there's certain things where I'm like, I'm just not going to Google it. And I'm not going to know what it is. Cause I can't bring myself to Google another term. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about 2020 a little bit too, because it's been such a, a weird, heavy year for everybody. And I was watching through some of your videos and I watched the one where you did a Sephora haul and you were chatting about, you know, taking a break from social media and, you said something super interesting in there that you felt guilty about feeling down and about feeling all of the heaviness that is 2020, especially surrounding like the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, just the whole pandemic in general. And the fact that you said you felt guilty because, you know, some people have it worse than you, but then again, you know, some people also have it better than you. I just found that that's so interesting because a lot of the time we feel like we can't feel the emotions that we're feeling, or we have no right to feel these emotions. And I'd love if you could expand on that a little bit. 
yeah, I mean, I struggled with that a lot at the beginning of COVID. Um, you know, I felt so, and, and like, you know, I think we talked about pre-recording, but, you know, my life didn't change that much. I already worked from home. Uh, I'm already a homebody. I'm not out doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it, it all felt so heavy and I felt so horrible and just so scared with the uncertainty. But at the same time, I'm like, I have a home, I have savings, I, I'm, I'm comfortable. So who am I to say anything about anything, right? I'm just going to be quiet and stay out of the way. Uh, but I know everybody was feeling it. Like, how could you not, pretty much? But it didn't stop the feelings of of guilt. And then again, you know, that felt like that weight so heavy and there's nothing that could distract me from it. And then the Black Lives Matter movement um, came to the forefront. And then it was like, what pandemic, you know? And yeah. with that, there's feelings of guilt as being someone who is, is a, a mixed race person. There's so many feelings because a lot of the time in society's eyes, I'm, I'm the acceptable amount of dark. I have the acceptable amount of curly hair. And I know that I have privileges that other people don't have and being in Canada and there's endless, endless things. And there was so much that I'd never spoken about before. Like, I don't even know that I ever called myself black on my YouTube channel. And I still, ha still tiptoe around it because I'm like, who am I to say? Uh, and, and when I started posting about it, I couldn't believe the amount of other people who felt the same way. And mm -hmm. you just, it's, it's different too in having a platform because I don't want to take away from anybody. So it's like, I want to acknowledge my feelings. I want to acknowledge what I'm going through to help people relate. And then I want to recognize those privileges and actually use them and do something with them. And that is what made me feel so good. So there was the, the relief of sharing my story and having people relate. And then the, the actual weight lifted off of my shoulders of feeling like I was doing something to help and to educate, because unfortunately some people will listen to my voice before they'll listen to others and then to encourage other people to do the same and use their privileges and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I love that you say that, that how you felt like you had no place to speak, but it's like, how many other people are feeling the exact same way that you do. So it just takes like someone like you to actually speak out and people are like, yes, like, thank you for saying this. I totally can relate to what you're saying. So yeah, that's good on you for, for speaking out and doing that. Um, yeah. What else did I want to say? Oh yeah. How you, um, you felt like you needed to take a break from social media and all of that, how, how it didn't feel right to be posting, you know, yeah. makeup hauls and doing makeup tutorials and all of that. And that's kind of how I felt like at the beginning of the pandemic as well. Yeah. It's like, everybody's working from home. I'm like, most of my content I put out is like how to style clothing. Yeah. And like people are just wearing sweatpants. Like nobody cares. <laughs> nobody awkward. cares anymore. Yeah. And yeah. So how did you navigate through that as well? Because again, the irony or the hypocrisy of it was I was watching so much YouTube and I was like, everybody that I watch better keep uploading because I need to just get off of this COVID numbers website and do anything. So I didn't look at anybody posting. I mean, there were some people that I was like, oh, that's a little tone deaf. But for the most part, I was like, you know, recognize what's going on, but know that we need a break. We can't all be bogged down all the time and the guilt 
ways in there too. And it just, it felt superficial, it felt stupid. Um, but again, like in that Sephora hall, the more I opened up about it, the more I just at least recognized what was going on. And, and the more I got a response from people of being like, it was so nice to see your face today. Like I was having a bad day and it was so nice to check out for 12 minutes and watch you talk about this blush. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just, again, really finding, finding that balance. But I really struggled with it because I was just feeling horrible. And I'm like, what am I doing talking about lipsticks? This is just, <laughs> there's so many more important things, but every, yeah. everybody is going through it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it's been such a, such a weird year, especially for content creators. Like how do you navigate content through, you know, people losing their jobs and everybody's at home now. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a ride. <laughs> it really, it really has. But again, I think it, it helps put things in check. And I feel like I got closer with a lot of subscribers because mm-hmm. I was opening up more people were like, Oh, I, you know, you are already pretty open, but like, I like this new, like, <laughs> absolute no filters. So like, yeah. I, 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 yeah. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. So where can everybody find you online if they want to follow along? So on YouTube, you can just type in Samantha Jane and then on all, all other social media, it's Samantha Jane YT, sometimes confused with Samantha Janey T, which haunts me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that sometimes. I'm like branding problem. I'm like, I capitalized the YT. It's for YouTube. Damn oh, it. No. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook is all Samantha Jane YT. You can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down and doing this podcast with me. Um, You're definitely one of the, one of the real deal, genuine people (laughs) out there. So everyone should go check you out and follow along. That's going to wrap up today's podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Sam and don't forget if you want to be a part of the conversation, I have opened up an Instagram account called at lifestyled podcast and each episode that I post, I have a little photo there and you can feel free to comment and let me know your thoughts or join in on the conversation that was just discussed. And I'd be happy to to converse with you over there. Otherwise, um, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, I would love it if you could rate and review it on iTunes and I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye.